and welcome to episode two of the Prison Officer Podcast. In episode one, we talked about how I got the job at Missouri State Penn, um, also known shortly after that as Jefferson City Correctional Center. But at the time when I was there, it was called The Walls. Missouri State Penn is the oldest penitentiary west of the Mississippi. 18, I'm wanting to say 1838 was when it was originally built. It was quite a place to start at. At the time, it was known as the bloodiest 47 acres in America, and I don't doubt that. I saw a lot of violence when I was there. It's hard to describe what I saw there. You know, I try to rationalize that my inexperience and uh, naivety was the main reason that this place was such a shock to my psyche, my perceptions, and my life. Uh, I still have images of what occurred there, you know, during that time when I was working. And now they almost seem like a memory of a horror movie and not the day-to-day work of a correctional officer. I saw murder there. I saw rape. I saw violence at a level most people will never experience uh, unless you've worked in one of those places. You know, in spite of that, I love the adrenaline, camaraderie, and the danger of the job. There, there was staff assaults on a regular basis, and I'm not talking regular like monthly. I'm talking regular like daily uh, or a couple of times a week. I saw brutal stabbings while I was there. Not what I saw later in my career where, you know, somebody, uh, one inmate would come up and, you know, stick somebody with a piece of wire a few times to get their point. I saw shanks and blades made there that were made to kill, and people were out to kill each other. It was a, it was a hell of a place to start, but you learned a lot. You hit the ground running. I think I saw my my first true stabbing uh, third day in. I had never seen anything like that. I didn't realize how much blood a human body had in it. And then you come up on that and everything that you think you know from watching TV or watching movies is just thrown to the, the wind. That was where I started in corrections. I'm, I'm glad I did. You, you learned a lot of the basic correctional techniques very quickly, very early on. You know, basic stuff like communication. If you couldn't communicate there, you were in real trouble. Stuff like always watching an inmate's hands. You know, always having your back to the wall. It was a time that it was very real that assault could happen to you. And I don't think my wife at the time even understands how close I was to violence, to having violence against myself. I also think that that was where I, it's where some of my negativity started. I don't, I don't believe up until that point I understood what evil was. I saw true evil inside Missouri State Pen. And I think the most frightening part of that is that true evil is not disguised with a hockey mask. True evil looks like your neighbor, the clerk at Walmart, uh, maybe even one of your family members. True evil smiles and it enjoys what it creates, which is fear, and doubt, and suspicion. I saw humans preying on humans. Inmates who used power over other humans. I had not witnessed any of that before. They wield that power against the weak-minded in an effort to control, in an effort to gain power for their self or their gang or their group, whatever. So that was, that was probably one of the hardest parts of going to work in the prison and going to work in a prison with that level of violence. You know, at that time, what my wife did know was that you know, that I had nightmares at that time. And most of them were nightmares where I woke up in the middle of the night and I was 
dreaming that I was trapped in the corner on the yard and I'm yelling at the, the tower to shoot because the inmates have got me trapped in a corner. Some very restless nights, some uh, waking up and not being able to go back to sleep. She did see some of that. Uh, and that's where a lot of that came from. Um, I was there for a couple of years. And to contrast that, my next position, I transferred to Ozark Correctional Center in Fordland, Missouri. Now, Fordland was a, a work camp, probably a third to... Yeah, probably a third of the inmates every day went outside the fence, uh, worked on work crews, worked at companies. Uh, some companies came and picked them up. Life was easier, you know. I don't remember any, I, I know there weren't any major assaults on staff. Uh, sometimes they fought, but it wasn't at the same level as it was at the penitentiary. You know, there wasn't as much mandatory overtime, and for the most part, people spoke pleasantly to each other. That was the first place I was selected for a leadership position. You know, I was actually selected as the team leader for the canine unit down there, which was a bloodhound unit. There were three tracking dogs and four canine handlers. Ozark Correctional Center was very respected in the area for the work that they did with the canines. The cool part of working with that bloodhound team and being part of that canine unit was the fact that we got to do good, and it's, it's... the only time in my career where I got to do that public service, really, that I went into it for, that I went into corrections thinking I would be a part of. Because we did get to go out for lost people, call-outs, you know, walkaways from nursing homes or, or children. We did a lot of searches with those canines. We had some success. Um, and, of course, we went out on escaped inmates or, or we helped local law enforcement with solving some of their crimes by being able to show them where the bad guy walked, you know, maybe where he got into the building or where he left the building. So it was a very good time. I got to help the community a lot during that time. I have pictures of us in parades, my canine unit. There were many kids who would come to those parades and they knew the names of the dogs, you know, they'd come to see Major, come to see Daisy. And it it was a great time to be a public servant. Uh, So that was what I took away from Ozark Correctional Center at that time. Even then, I was trying to get away from corrections. I didn't want to be a correctional officer. That was at no point in my growing up did I ever think about working in an environment, and I knew that environment was affecting me. The environment was becoming part of me, and it was changing me. So even early on, I knew that. You know, there's a quote out there from Frederick Nietzsche. He, He writes... He who fights with monsters should look to it that he himself does not become a monster. And when you gaze long into the abyss, the abyss gazes also into you. And I've read that over the years, and there's a lot of truth to that. You cannot walk in those prisons. You cannot see that level of violence. You cannot be a part working in a prison and not have that violence, that filth, affect you after a while. So as I was still trying to get away from corrections, you know, I had I had applied for Joplin Police Department. I applied for the Springfield, Missouri Police Department. Uh, I applied for the Springfield, Missouri Fire Department 11 times. Of course, that's where my father worked. I attended classes and earned my EMTA certificate so I could get on the fire department. I didn't know where I wanted to be. I just knew that I did not want to be in corrections. I didn't want to be a prison guard. And at the time... Prison guard, that's what I was actually hired as at Missouri State Penn. They were just switching over to calling us officers. 
But at that time, many of the, the forms that I used still referred to us as guards. I worked at Ozark Correctional Center for about six years. And during that time, the major, Major Young, had got me interested and pushed me a little bit to apply for the federal system. Uh, he understood that the federal system had a great retirement and some great benefits, uh, including pay, that was well above what the state was paying. Uh, knew I had a young family, pushed me pretty hard to go put in for a job with the federal system, which I did. I put in for Springfield uh, Medical Center several times, couldn't, couldn't get hired, didn't hear very much back, finally put in for Leavenworth and was accepted there. So I got the call, come to work at Leavenworth uh, to become a federal correctional officer. That moved pretty quickly. With that came the return to a penitentiary because at that time Leavenworth was not a medium. It was still a United States penitentiary with the federal system and it was a pretty tough one. Here I was, I had left, you know, that, that violent penitentiary life. I had went and was running a dog team, working in a fairly uh, low security camp where there wasn't much going on. And here I was going back to a penitentiary and made me nervous. I'd been out of it for a while. I thought that I'd lost some of my skills knowing what everybody had in their hand when they walked by you. You didn't do that as much at the camp. But once I walked into Leavenworth, it all immediately came back. I knew who was around me. I knew where my back was at all times. You know, with the years I had in corrections already, it did put me uh, in a good position to make a good impression as a rookie. And I I think I excelled and uh, was looked upon as a, a good rookie. I did know enough to keep my mouth shut and my, my head down. I didn't walk in thinking that it, uh, or trying to convince people that I already knew everything. That's one of the worst things you can do as a rookie, and it's a, it's a mistake that we often see. I went to work at Leavenworth. Being there and the history, the history of that place, you know, it's the oldest federal penitentiary, and the inmates and the history that have been there, there's, there's a lot of pride at Leavenworth in the history so that was the great part of it, was, was becoming part of that history and being accepted into that community. Believe it or not, once again, I was enjoying that adrenaline. I was enjoying that camaraderie that I had at Missouri State Penn, even though I didn't want to be a correctional officer still. It's still, I hadn't got it out of my mind that I wanted out of this job. It worked on my mind a lot. And I could tell that it affected my family. I could tell that it affected me. The adrenaline of running to those body alarms, the adrenaline and the camaraderie of running to them together with people who watched your back and people who cared about you, uh, like nobody else does. I, I don't say that lightly. I think a lot of us understand that when you work those penitentiaries and you're running and those people are running to help you, or you're at the bottom of that pile, you're you're fighting for that 15, 20, 30 seconds, minute, while people are running to help you, you've hit your body alarm. There's no feeling, no greater love for another person than what you feel the way we take care of each other. And I truly believe that. I've often, I've told when I've taught rookie classes that, you know, when there's a body alarm, if you look in the hallway, you can tell who's been on the bottom of that pile uh, by how they run. You know, there's people that are running and understand what it means to help someone and to get there in that timely manner. And then you've got the ones who kind of jog. And those are the ones that I don't think have ever been on the bottom of that pile or they would understand 
what it means to try to get to each other and to take care of each other and how precious seconds are when you're in some of those fights. So Leavenworth, I was growing into a federal correctional officer, different system, a different set of rules, policies were different. I had to tone down some of what I learned at Missouri State Penn um, and the state of Missouri as a whole. You know, the federal system really does count more on communication than I think we did at the state system, which was very apparent when I got my first uniform working for the federal system. Uh, When I started, your uniform was a gray pair of slacks, uh, a white collared shirt, a maroon tie, and then we had this uh, blue blazer. It was not the correctional officer or the law enforcement officer type uniform that I was used to at the state. This looked totally different. We almost looked like we were going to work in a, uh, a badly dressed business office, but that was about the federal's push to improve communication and not to look so authoritarian. So I learned a ton from the staff at Leavenworth. You know, many of those staff were career correctional staff at Leavenworth. They didn't move from institution to institution. So there's a lot of knowledge there. There's a lot of old knowledge there. And I tried to learn from those older guys. Those are the ones that I seem to gravitate towards. I always tried to emulate them. After that, um, spent two and a half years at Leavenworth. And then I transferred closer to home to where I had originally applied, which was the Medical Center for Federal Prisoners in Springfield, Missouri. I spent the next 14 years there of my career. Springfield's probably most well-known for its uh, mental health unit. Some of the worst mental health in the federal system is housed at Springfield, and it's a whole new way to look at prison and how to deal with inmates. Communication with with inmates in a, a penitentiary in a normal prison is high. Communication with mental health inmates is a whole nother level. The normal communication techniques that you use in a prison don't work in those situations. They don't perceive life. They don't perceive prison uh, the same way everybody else does. They also can become violent without signs. We're used to when we work in penitentiaries, when we work in other prisons, you see that flash in that inmate's eye just before he gets ready to throw a punch or Um, just before you're getting ready to, you know, be assaulted. Mental health inmates don't always do that. They can react quickly without cause, and they can react quickly without provocation. It's a whole nother level of inmate to get used to. I spent almost 14 years at Springfield, and wonderful friends, wonderful staff, uh, enjoyed my time there immensely. With that being said, any of you that have worked a segregation unit and if you've worked it, you know, several quarters or years, you understand what it is to walk into a seg unit every day, same problems, same inmates, over and over again. You're dealing with the flooding, you're dealing with the banging, you're dealing with the noise, you're dealing with the constant verbal assault, you're dealing with the stench of a segregation unit, you're dealing with normally the worst of the inmates who are one of two things, either locked up because they can't control their self or locked up because they're checked in from the other inmates. And a lot of times those are the worst. Those are the most needy inmates in the institution. And that constant neediness, that constant barrage, that constant assault that you get in those units 
it's the same way in a mental health unit. I worked a lot of time in the mental health unit while I was at Springfield. And it does get to you. It gets in you. It gets on you. You feel dirty. You deal with a lot of, you deal with feces. You deal with, you know, urine. You deal with blood. You deal with hangings, you know, suicides, uh, inmates who want to cut themselves. You deal with this stuff on a regular basis. And you do get the feeling that it just becomes part of you after a while. So during that time in my life, I wrote poetry in order to get some of my feelings expressed. I'm probably not the best person about expressing my feelings openly. I, you know, working in the correctional environment, you learn to, to trap those things down way deep, not only at work, but then when you walk out of work, you're not good at letting that back up. You, you keep those feelings, we tease each other. I have one feeling and I didn't bring it to work today because we can't let those inmates see that we're, that we are vulnerable and that we have feelings because they'll take advantage of you if that happens. In order to get some of those feelings out, I've written poetry over the years. So I'd like to share with you one of the poems I wrote during that time. It kind of expresses some of the feelings that I was going through, um, working those mental health units day after day, where you just, when you come out of work and you've done the 16 hours and you've been locked in that unit with those inmates for 16 hours and you walk out in the world and, and you're not sure anymore whether you just walked into reality or whether you walked out of reality. Here's a poem I wrote called The Pretty Life. Life is pretty, I see it all around. Pretty wife with green inviting eyes. Pretty kids looking forward, never back. I pat them on the head and kiss my wife. She is my lover, my guidepost sometimes. One last look at the pretty family. Pretty flowers on a pretty table. Pretty photographs display a pretty life. Then I leave. As I drive, I start to notice it. I can feel life becoming stained, tainted, and dirty. The prison where I work is not yet in sight, yet I can feel it. For eight hours, I try to block the nasty stench, the air. Try not to breathe, washing, always washing my hands. Trying to remove the slime, the filth, the dirt, but it won't wash off. The dirt is not on me. It is all around me, trying to get inside me. Finally, the day ends uneventfully. I return to the prettiness, all clean and safe. I am home again. But I'm not all there. I left part of me there, washed away with the dirt. I wrote that at a time that I was working long days in those mental health units um, with no break. I truly did feel, before I ever got to work, I could feel the change that was coming over me. The change that I had to present to the inmates. The change that I had to endure in order to survive working those long hours in those units. And I knew it was changing me. I knew that I knew I was losing some of who I was. And I, I, just like I wrote in that poem, I felt like it was getting washed down the drain. But with that, I made it. I had a great family life. I had a wife who supported me, who gave me room, let me deal with some of those feelings and some of those problems in my own way. You know, one of the hardest things for us as correctional staff, I believe, is when we come home and everybody expects us the minute we walk in the door to be the same person we were when we left that morning. They don't realize sometimes what we saw that day. They don't realize what we dealt with, what changed us deep inside that day. And that was always one of the hardest things. 
And if you've got family who can give you that 30 minutes, sometimes that hour, get time to recollect your thoughts and refocus and let your guard down so that you can be part of that family, that's probably the biggest help that she did was giving me that space when I came home. Sometimes I would come in, drop clothes, you know, put on new clothes and go in the yard. And I didn't say three words before I went to mow or went to work on something. And I was allowed that space. And I I appreciate that she did that for me. That kind of gives you a glimpse into how I got where I'm at and some of the, the feelings, emotions, thoughts that I dealt with over the years. And that's the reason I've started this podcast. Because I know if I've dealt with those things, you've dealt with those things. And I want to have conversations. I want to see if we can't find the best way to help each other through some of these thoughts, some of these challenges. And I want to, I want to talk to the correctional community about some of what I've learned. That's it for today. So with that, I want to invite you guys back to the next podcast. As of right now, I'm looking at posting these every two weeks. I'll put them up on Facebook when they're posted. Please feel free to subscribe. Visit us on our Facebook page. Leave us a comment. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. I want this to be a podcast for everyone. And just remember to take care of each other while we're inside. Um, If you see someone who's having problems, if you see someone who looks like they need a friend, reach out to them. Uh, Sometimes we forget that our friends are so close when we're working inside. Thank you for listening to the Prison Officer Podcast. We'll see you next time.